Hello and welcome to Whiskey and Vinyl, where we pair interesting whiskies from around the world with picks from our vinyl collection. I'm CJ and with me is James. Hello. So this episode, we're going to continue our Isla theme from last week, uh, this time Lafroy 10, with the album that we paired it with on our Instagram account, Pet Sounds by The Beach Boys. A few weeks ago, we decided to do something on our Instagram account uh, as a bit of fun, which was to uh, have what we called the, the Isla Rumble, uh, where we took the, um, the eight main distilleries from Isla and we sort of compared them and, and we ranked them from one to eight. Um, and coming from that, Lafroig placed second, actually, which we were both a little bit surprised by with our judging criteria. Uh, weighted in different areas. Lefroy just managed to be fairly high in most of the categories and then it came through as one of the more affordable and more accessible whiskies, which which gave it a higher score. Um, and it did really well. We were quite pleased with it actually in the end, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You mentioned accessible. Um, that was a term you coined mm-hmm. for when we set up the, the, the Rumble. How would you describe accessible? I suppose it's the, it's the whiskey that it's the impression or the, you know, the bottling that the distillery produces, that is the one that you'll find in the supermarket, so the one that you can get easily online, and is therefore usually the most affordable. So it's going to be the most likely impression that you come across. Just to kind of re- recap on our, the point system that we used for that, which is this, which is based on no science whatsoever, purely our own viewpoints. We both independently marked it on, primarily on taste, and we also then gave it bonus points for the, the, the nose, the way it smells, a value for money, and also a kind of the curb appeal, the sexiness of the bottle, how it looks on the shelf. And um, the, branding, I, the branding and the shape and all those kind of things. Coolness. So yeah. I think Lefroy did better than we expected. When we kind of took all those, um, those, those scores and we, we mashed them together. Do you like my pun there? Mm. It's good. And, oh shit, mate! <laughs> and I think where where Lefroy kind of kind of leaped up was value for money mostly, maybe the nose if mm. anything because it smells okay. So just I just I'll kind of I'll recap on the on the on the Lefroy itself. So Lefroy Ten is like the the main kind of the main workhorse of the Lefroy Distillery. It's one of the older distilleries um, in Scotland, uh, not the oldest on the island, but it, it dates back to eighteen fifteen and. It's very noticeable. You'd see it in a you'd see it in a bar very easily from a distance. It's a bright green bottle, big, large, white livery with shouty caps letters of saying Lefroy ten right across the front of the bottle. From the moment you open it, it smells it noses of the classic medicinal coastal peat that uh, that a lot of the islands have. And uh, it is kind of salty. And then when you then when you go when you go to taste it uh, you start picking up kind of like the peak continues, but you also get like this sort of sweet red berry almost taste to it as well. There's a, there's a cut grass kind of feel to it, impression I get from it. And and then it, and it ends on a, on a nice sort of sweety, smoky kind of smell. For me, it reminds me of a warm spring day. It's, it's, not, it's not the most refined. We've talked about Lagavulin before, but it's certainly drinkable. And um, that, that pushed it through the ranks, I think, in our scoring. Probably out of all the Isla uh, whiskies, it's probably the most recognisable now. 
it's the most accessible in bars in this yeah. is due mainly to the last sort of five years or so they've really been pushing it out yeah great with marketing. A, with a, a yeah. lot of marketing a lot of ads people didn't even know how to say it probably the best selling isla has to be it's everywhere yeah it is everywhere and it was you know our sort of early whiskey drinking days i think it was a firm favorite quite quickly yeah and it was one of the first whiskeys you you drunk as it it was was one of the not maybe not the first whiskeys i've ever drunk not not the first single malt i've ever drunk so i had tried other whiskeys prior to this glenfiddichs and glenmorangie okay. of the okay. of the kind of the highlands spacesides um which i know, now i now i know those regions yeah but this was the first time I'd ever drunk an, an Isla. Not that I knew what Isla was or you know anything about it. Fifteen-ish, oh, long time ago, years ago, I was working in in Glasgow on a kind of comment with my, um, my my company at the time, and one of the local guys, uh, Scott. So shout out to Scott. Uh, he uh, he took me out for a few beers, and by the end of the night, he um, ordered a couple of the frogs. Man, that, that smoke, when you're not used to it or not ready for it, mm. uh, hits you and mm. it's like, whoa, what is this? What is this? Mm-hmm. What is this craziness? And it's so unique, isn't it? It really is. Um, if, you haven't, if you haven't ever had a, a smoky PT whiskey from Isla, Isla is an island off the coast of Scotland, for anybody that doesn't know that. It's known for a very specific taste of the whiskey. If you haven't had one, you, you need to try it. You probably will, probably won't like it to start but it, it does, it, it, it's a bit of an acquired taste, but once you kind of get there, it's really, really quite lovely and, and, and worth it. Yeah. And maybe I had a bit too much that night because I remember even the next day still being able to taste the smoke. Mm. <laughs> and, yeah. um, but that, that was the first time I tried it. And then over time, I've got more and more interested in whiskeys. And, and as I've understood a bit more, we've circled back. I've started to circle back and I know that we've looked into other islas, as you say, an island off of the west coast of Scotland, which is one of the distinct whiskey regions of, of, of Scotland. There's, there's, there's five stroke six. Can you name them? I can. There can is. I do. Yes. There is. There's the, obviously, Isla, um, we we're just talking about. There's uh, the Highlands, the Lowlands, there's the Space Sides, and uh, Campbelltown. Okay. Uh, there is also the other islands, which are kind of clumped together mm-hmm. uh, the other kind of the Hebrides islands however they normally are associated with the highlands where did Jura fit? Jura comes will come under the highlands however it's so close to Speyside it's, it's Isla sorry so close oh, to yeah. Yeah. it's so close to Isla it's just over it's like a, a very short hop by ferry from the island from island to island when did you try Lefroy for the first time? Be two years ago two three years ago I used to run a cinema we had a we had a bar, and it was quite a quite a busy bar actually. And uh, we had what do they call them? A drinks ambassador is the official title from Lefroy come and sort of do a meeting with with some of my staff. She was great, and she sort of talked through what Lefroy was and and why it was special and and you know the tasting notes and things like that. And I remember sort of seven or eight of my staff sort of lined up behind the bar drinking it, you know, and I think two or three of them. We're liking it, and the rest were like, "This is awful." Yeah, <laughs> it has that. It has that yeah. Marmite yeah. approach to it, and they 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 leaned into that. They have leaned into it. And they don't like it. It's cool. Just... Describe it. Describe what you don't like about it, and things like that, which is kind of funny. But it was funny, and I was talking to her, and I didn't know much about it, and I referred to Isla as Islay to her, and I, I've never felt so uncool ever. 
I think if I met her again, she'd be proud maybe of the the amount I know about whiskey now. But at the yeah. time, it was it was pretty embarrassing. But she was she was she was used to it, and she was she was she was great. Um, that was my introduction to it, and it was all it was all based on a marketing campaign. But now, yeah, it's it's firm favorite, and it's always usually fairly affordable in the supermarket. We kind of always have a bottle on the shelf. Yes, uh, which is good. Like right now, we've got two. We got the ten, and we have the select, don't we? Both super drinkable and uh, highly recommended. Definitely. So the select, uh, how that is slightly different to to the ten is that it, it um, they've taken a selection from you know, different barrels, different casks, and it, so that the overall flavor is is very similar, but it has a slightly more balanced uh, flavor to it. So it doesn't take it takes out the the punchy peat, the high punchy peat, and and the and the, mm. the very deep sweetness, okay. and sort okay. of keeps it level. Good. So the point the point of what we do is we we match a a record uh, with a whiskey. We find that quite fun. We'll listen to a record all the way through, and we'll drink the whiskey, and we'll contemplate the record, and we'll talk about the whiskey, and we'll you know it's the matching is nonsense. And there's no real science to it. It's got to be said, sometimes it does make complete sense and, we're, we, and we kind of think, we nailed that. Yes. And other times it's just, it's just kind of, as in what we want to hear and, and, and drink. At the end of the day, you're just drinking and listening to music. But we've put a bit of a framework behind it. We paired Lafroig 10 with the Beach Boys' uh, Pet Sounds. It's a good pairing. It's, it's you know, the Beach Boys sound great and... Lefroig tastes great, and after a few Lefroigs, the Beach Boys sound even better, if it's possible. Why don't you uh, give your impressions of this, of Pet Sounds, Siege? If you'd asked me, you know, five years ago, or, or maybe even less, I would have always been thinking of the, the Good Vibrations and uh, those, I, I know this came, that came after Pet mm-hmm. Sounds, but mm-hmm. even the, the songs before where they're all Think up surfer yeah. boys yeah. Uh, on the beach, supposedly on the beach with you know all the surfer uh, kids and all that you know really cool, beautiful, harmonizing everything, but maybe a little bit vacuous. Mm. But this album, this kind of actually listening to this album properly mm. and and understanding it a bit more, especially because we recently watched also the um, the Love and Mercy film. So it gives a bit of a background into some of the, the inner workings of how this came about and the uh, the unfortunate um, sort of mental health issues that Brian Wilson suffered. Mm. Seeing that kind of almost tortured, tortured genius, tortured musical genius. Mm. Great. It's really good. It's a really good album. It's a good film. It's a good film. It's a good, good film and, and it's a good album. And there's some songs in there that I, I absolutely adore. And I think for me particularly... God only knows is just sublime, and also the one that follows it up is the I know there's an answer. Those two just stand out, and I love listening to them every time I hear them. God only knows was the B side to Wouldn't It Be Nice, whereas God only knows is now probably the most famous song to come from the album. It wasn't generally considered to be one of the stronger uh, singles. Yeah, so it was recorded in 1966. Uh, and recorded, written, and produced mainly by Brian Wilson himself. Uh, he famously calls it his first solo album, uh, which is interesting. So at the time, 
he was struggling with a lot of things. He was quite young. He was 22. He was struggling with touring with the band and just being in the band and uh, having to turn up, as it were. And the guys, the rest of the band, toured Japan without him. And he stayed back in L.A. and put together all the arrangements, the writing, the studio work for Pet Sounds, and laid everything down ready for the guys to return, where they then just merely recorded the vocals that he'd written for them. So the rest of the band felt quite detached from it, I think. And there was a lot of dissent within the band about the direction they were taking, because they were coming away from being, they were all quite happy just being the Beach Boys and writing songs about cars and writing songs about girls and surfing and things like that. Whereas this album's a real departure. It's a real, um, it, it, they call it a concept album. It, it's, it's only, there's a lot of different uh, instruments used on it, a lot of different sounds, a lot of experimentation. And it sounds perfectly normal now when you hear it. It's not, but at the time, I think it was quite, quite special. And it was Brian Wilson responding to some of the stuff the Beatles were doing. So the Beatles had just released Rubber Soul and I think Brian Wilson saw the Beatles go from sort of the the mop top fab four kind of poppy rock to some, some quite serious and, and interesting music sounds. And, and he was trying to kind of compete a little bit with that. And when it came out, it came out uh, in 1966 and within three months, the Beach Boys released uh, Revolver and Bob Dylan released Blonde on Blonde. So within three months of each other, you had three sort of what would be absolutely classic albums at the same time. I'll just touch on the um, cover. What's going on there? They are, so, okay, the name Pet Sounds. So some of the guys, they didn't know what it, was, what it meant at first. So Brian Wilson had, had sort of come up with a song and the name. And, uh, you know, famously, a few of the guys had thought Pet Sounds was the sound that you make when you're petting girls. So heavy petting. Right, okay. That was originally the was what they had kind of thought, but then Brian Wilson clarified later on that in fact was just simply because one of the songs has a dog barking in it. Yes. Because he was using all these mad sort of ideas. And it is, he was he said it was quite literal, just pet sounds. The cover of the album is the guys all feeding goats, which is weird. The band <laughs> they must have been really shocked when they were turned to that photo shoot and yeah. they're like, where's all the goals? Yeah, yeah. What have we got to do with these goats? Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> It's a weird album cover. It's it's not a very good album cover. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's, you know the 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 style and the font of the album really cool. But the album the the actual photo is just a a bit odd. Um, it was in San Diego Zoo. Okay. So apparently the photographer had arranged a sort of photo shoot in a petting zoo and they went to do. Strange. Although it doesn't match the 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 um the Freud. You got the, the bright green and the and the white go to the front and the, the white font. So, so subconsciously, we must have picked that up. Yeah. The band, when they returned from Japan and they, uh, you know, Brian, Brian Wilson invited them all to the studio where they had all these musicians and they were recording all their bits. They weren't enamored by the music. Um, I think few of them, you know, some of them trusted Brian because he was, uh, you know, he'd written a lot of their hits and they said, okay, wherever you're going, we'll go with you. But um, a few of them dissented and, and it was... The lyrics didn't make sense to them. There was no obvious hooks. There was no obvious singles. They were a little bit, um, they were unsure about it. And interestingly, when it was released, it was a bit of a commercial flop, at least in the States. So it, 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 it I think it, it peaked at number 10 in the US. 
um, fared a bit better in the UK where it peaked at number two. Um, that would make sense if the UK audience was was listening to some of the cool stuff that's going out of the Beatles yeah. And, yeah. and other uh, emerging bands of that, that ilk. Apparently there was a big marketing campaign in the UK uh, and it was touting it as this amazing experimental work of genius. Right. So uh, that's credited with some of the results in the UK of it being more popular. But in 1966, it got lost. It didn't really, so it didn't, it didn't get that much attention. So the songs that you know now, like Wouldn't It Be Nice and uh, God Only Knows, those generally weren't really played. And Dylan and the Beatles kind of eclipsed it. And Pet Sounds then, uh, in the 70s, actually went out of print. You couldn't even get it. Okay. Which is really interesting. So... They stopped, they stopped printing it in the 70s, in the late 70s, and then early 80s it wasn't really available. And then apparently it came, it got re-released on Compact Disc in the early 90s. And people sort of were realizing it, and critics were putting it on like the top albums of all time lists and things like that. And yeah. it became, it kind of had a whole rediscovery, it had a whole sort of strange sort of rise and fall and rise again. Which is, which you know, is interesting. and And... Sloop John B was wasn't meant to be on it actually, and and there was only the record company that convinced them to put it on, because it was the only obvious single, at the time. When did you, kind of clock, Beach Probably. Boys, this Pet Sounds, and when did you buy this, and when did you like them? So yeah, it's, it's, you know, same as you, Beach Boys to me were always just kind of surfing in cars, you know, I get around, Surfer Girl, Little Deuce Coop, all those kind of songs. I loved all that stuff, but it was great. I still love it. And no, this really, this being kind of like a masterpiece was never something I understood until probably maybe sort of like 10, 15 years ago when I started getting talked about a little bit more. And I think it's only, yeah, it's only been recently, you know, in the history of the album, I suppose, that it's really had that recognition. And if you listen to it now, it is, it's, it's not perfect, but it's very listenable and it's very, it's, it's almost magical. Isn't it? You, um, you mentioned that he considers to be his first solo album. Mm, yeah. To some degree. Yeah. Have you heard his other stuff, like his future things, his, his future albums? Have you heard his, you heard um, like Smile and... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His stuff's good. It's really good. It's really good. His voice isn't quite as good as it was. He's good. There's some good stuff in the 90s, good stuff early 2000s. He was famously in bed for three years mm-hmm. uh, in the 80s, I think. He's an interesting guy. Interesting guy, obviously musical genius, massive mental health issues. Uh, it's worth watching the Love and Mercy film. Yeah, it was. A... He talks about he's quite open about the drugs he took. It's the drugs he took in and around the writing and recording of Pet Sounds. He talks about he took a lot of LSD. He's smoking a lot of weed, and how it impacted his writing, but also how it had a, a long term impact on on his brain and the way he thinks. And the way he speaks, and um, he's he, he's he's quite open about how much he regrets. Okay. He said, "I saw." He said one time he'd rather not have made Pet Sounds or not have made some of the amazing songs he had that 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 he wrote under the influence if he still had his 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 faculties. Full, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote, so he did. He didn't write it on his own. Actually, he did. He recruited somebody to help him write it. When the rest of the band were in Japan, he recruited a guy called Tony Asher, who within sort of like the sort of uh, Hollywood music circles was known for writing jingles. 
so quite famous for writing really good jingles. Mm-hmm. And he brought him in to help with some of the some of the melodies, which I think is kind of interesting. It's almost like a stroke of genius in itself to bring someone in that's kind of their bread and butter is just making things rhyme and making things sound kind of hooky. Catchy. And hooky, yep, yep. yeah. To take your kind of intentions with an album and to get somebody who's known for writing jingles in, I, I think that's that's where, you know, interestingly, the album doesn't have tons of hooks, but it was a, a yeah, interesting choice. So if you know the Beach Boys and you know them as uh, surfing girls and car songs, that's all cool, but I would recommend that you check out Pet Sounds. Listen to it from beginning to end and listen to it on vinyl and listen to it maybe with a, with a whiskey in your hand. It's a nice combination and that's probably how Brian would have wanted it or would want it. Well, he's still around. So. He's not yet. <laughs> that's how Brian would want it. Uh, that's how I recommend that. And Lefroy 10 is a good place to start. It is. And if you aren't ready for PT smoky whiskeys, push through it. Give it a chance. And Lefroy's going to be readily available and often you know, discounted in the supermarket. Pick it up, push through, and uh, keep trying it. And then that'll hopefully open the doorway to other PT, more complex whiskies, particularly from the uh, the island of Isla. Uh, we're gonna we'll, we'll we'll talk about the other the other islas. Um, there there is, as as James mentioned, there's this there's there's a classic eight that we we talked about, but there's also a, a new ninth one that's only just opened. But we'll we'll, t- we'll talk about the other ones in future future episodes. Uh, but we'll also branch out and we be more broad of some of the other whiskies around the world mm. in, in other episodes as well and but we just there's a good opportunity to kind of circle back to this because we've just done the Isla Rumble mm. what have we done so far the we've done Lagavulin we did Lagavulin and the first podcast uh, we did the Heaven's Door we'll get to more interesting things like Heaven's Door in the future you should if you're so inclined check out our Instagram account uh, whiskey.vinyl where it's just lots of pictures of whiskey with pictures of records. It's cool. And um, some of our musings below in yeah, the comments. Yeah. Some of the bullshit that we come up with. On that note. Goodbye from James. You're welcome, CJ. Cheers. <laughs>